This is the Dog Point Play Podcast, the Die Hard Duke Basketball Fans Podcast. Huge win. Your boy TK was there, and so was our special guest, Connor O'Neill from Yahoo Sports Devils Illustrated. He's our special guest this week, and uh, give a shout-out to uh, Pablo. He's not with us tonight, uh, but he'll be back uh, with us uh, probably after the Notre Dame game podcast. And then AC, are you guys doing a coach's corner before that game, maybe after kind of? Uh, I'm not gonna spoil anything yet because we'll okay. get to it in the Syracuse segment. But yeah, we're okay. gonna do a coach's corner on that master class that was given. <laughs> so we're looking forward to that. But um, Connor, uh, obviously, welcome in and, and thank you for joining the uh, the Five Point Play podcast. If I was a little bit smarter, I would have known that I was like standing three rows behind you uh, on price <laughs> row there. So I'm, I'm gonna come. That's TK humble bragging. Stop doing that. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. This isn't about me. This is about Connor. Yes, it's not about me, Connor. I'm the, I'm the hum- most humble guy on this podcast. Believe me. Ever. Ever. No problem. And uh, thanks for having me. And uh, if, if anybody's in Cameron ever, uh, just just shoot me some kind of note, and I'll try to swing by. It's a little tough nice. during the game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, we got locked in the wrong press row. <laughs> yeah, so how how early do you have to get in there? Because I know that when, obviously students weren't there, so they get like the general admission for the student or uh, section seventeen, and that's where we all are. And they're, they're kind of shuttle us in there like an hour before the game. They're standing for basically three hours straight. Yeah, so my thing is always um, you're talking about how early do we have to get into the, our seats on press row? Yeah. I it's always like as late as possible, actually, because it's so incom- uncomfortable and it's actually better than it was uh, under Coach K. The students were on the ground with us. Yeah. So it was I mean, you had no space um, this year and last season. They moved the students up on the row above us. So they're standing. We've got actually room to like pull out our chairs, you know, during during K's last season. I was right there on midcourt. And the same students wound up sitting or standing behind me. And we got so intimate by the end of the year that they would like pull out my chair for me so that it was nice. easier for me to sit down. And so <laughs> that I didn't funny. have to like crush their feet uh, on the way into the seat. But I usually, I usually am standing on the court through the national anthem. And then there's this little window between national anthem and opposing player intros where we all, all of us kind of veterans of the beat kind of shuffle in. And that's our, it's one little like 20 second window where we can get into our seats. Um, and, and so did you guys, uh, did you guys ahead. have anything on press road? You guys have anything to say to each other when uh, Copeland came out, stomped on the logo in the middle? See, I missed that. Cause with, really? the, with the dual beat, I was, I was in there uh, in the media room a lot longer watching Wake's game okay. at DC. I was trying. Gotcha. I really thought Wake was going to have it pretty comfortable, and I was going to be able to get out to courtside <laughs> a lot earlier than I was. Uh, they had to squeeze that one out, and at BC's tough. Yeah, and at BC is a tough environment. There's no energy up there, and so you just have to create your own juice. But yeah, um, I missed I missed the Quadir Copeland. Like somebody had to tell me about that. Um, you know, it's it can't be that new to Duke. It, it seems like <laughs> seems like every year a half dozen players come in there with it really kind of their goal to make an impression on Cameron and leave their mm-hmm. mark, have some kind of legacy game. And shit, sometimes it works. And sometimes I go back to um, I covered I think it was 2013 or 14 when Michigan came in there and um, the 
the shooter. He was a sophomore. He had had um, a big freshman year. Yep, I know exactly who you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I can't remember yep. whatever. Yeah, who was it? Uh, what was his no, um, yeah, no, it was yeah, no, yeah, Sixer legend. He had like the worst game of his life because all he did was pay attention to what the crazies chanted at him. He was mm-hmm. he was giving it right back to him, and he wound up being like one for nine. It was a yep. terrible game, and well, uh, I remember talking to the to the people in the beat then, and it was like. He just he, he came out and cared more about talking to the fans than he did making shots. <laughs> True. Well, it was, it was no different for Copeland. I mean, Copeland shot two for nine and, and had yeah. six points in a, in a negative. And the whole game. Whole time. And it wasn't even the students. Like we're, we were the backups, and he's still jawing. Like I don't. I mean, I don't yeah. know if he Like he's still jawing the entire game. I'm like, dude, you're down fourteen and with like seven to go. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, so I thought that was kind of hilarious. But one thing before we get into the game, I thought the most impressive thing was the halftime show. Did you get it? Oh my god! <laughs> Amazing. I was, it was nuts. Yeah, I've um, there there have been a couple guys like that that do the half court balancing act, and mm-hmm. I want to say there was there was and they usually there, right? There was one guy I saw last year that had all these chairs stacked, and I think he was like, oh my gosh, yes, I've seen that guy. Yeah. Yeah, that that was awesome. Like, I'm I'll never put a halftime act above frisbee dogs because I'm a dog person, but everybody else can be second. And that guy doing like balance beams on top of the yoga uh, circular things or whatever that was, that was awesome. He had swords or something, right? Didn't he have yeah, swords? Was, it was skateboards. It was it was insane. <laughs> I was more nervous watching that than I was during the first half. I, I'm not even joking. I'll tell you That's what, funny. man, it, it's a problem when there's a good halftime act because I sit there and try to get part of my story done. And it's, I can't I can't do my story while there's somebody out there that I'm worried about is going to, like, yeah. fall and kill himself. Yeah, I thought there was this uh, even money was being put on him being carried out on the stretcher. Yeah. Uh, no joke. Um, all right, well, Connor, again, let's um, get right to the game here. Uh, we'll give you the first crap. Um, one of the things, obviously, I still read, you know, the message boards that, you know, you kind of publish and, um, you know, it's wild to watch, you know, the message board warriors, you know, go up and down and up and down. And this guy sucks. And this guy's the greatest person of all time, greatest player of all time. Um, they got to be happy after, after watching that second half, right? Yeah. I, you're, you're, uh, better than me. I can't do the game threads. Uh, I gave those up. Yeah. Um, no, it was a great game. Uh, you know, it was kind of, I, I always hate the tale of two halves. I think it's a overused tripe and there's it, just, there's no, there's no use in it, but you know, first half, uh, you get limited minutes out of flip roach and was McCain limited that half too, or was he just kind of out of, I can't remember. There were he didn't play as well in in the first half, and, and yeah. his shot wasn't going. I know, I know. All three centers had two fouls, and right. yeah, PJ Powers out there. He's not really ready. Um, they're trying to, you know, John picked Ryan Young as the guy to put in the game with two fouls, and he goes out there and picks up a third one like a minute later. Um, just kind of a disjointed first half. So that's where I go to Mark Mitchell, really keeping Duke afloat. Um, he had. I think 18 in the first half and mm-hmm. 12 of Duke's last 16 in the half. Um, he's he's so good and he's so valuable when he's attacking and when he's aggressive. And 
really it, it stems from confidence. And I, I think you have to give the kid a ton of credit for having confidence when he's one for 22 from behind the line. Um, you know, that that was a part of his game last year, um, you know, to give a little bit of sneak peek, like the Notre Dame game last year is the one that Notre Dame was in a bad place and they came to Cameron and played yeah. Duke really well. And if not for a Mark Mitchell corner three in front of Duke's bench, Duke might right in front of coach that. K too. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> They would have made Coach K zero and one at Cameron, right? Right. Um, <laughs> as a spectator, right? But, I know. But yeah, Mark Mitchell played a great first half, and then the second half, um, I, I, I don't know how you go. I've never seen a team go zero for nine to eight for eight on threes. That was mind boggling. I, I thought, I thought it was crazy when it was like four for four and five for five, and mm -hmm. and then Jared McCain, man, he's he doesn't take much to get hot. And uh, he's a special type of shooter. And it, it got to a point there in the second half where every possession that didn't feature a touch or two for him was a missed opportunity. And the heater that he's been on, I don't know if he's shooting over 50% from three for the rest of the season. I would kind of doubt it. But these last five games, like you just you keep going to him until he starts missing. Um, and and until then, uh, it's, it's like a running back. Just keep feeding him the ball. And – then you also, you, you know, I, I was talking to a couple guys in the in the um, press room after the game about this. You know, I looked down at some point in the second half and I was like, Jeremy Roach is 17 points and is 7 for 10 from the field? Where did this come from? Uh, he's – and I think uh, I wrote this and I've, I've talked to a couple other people. They're, they're getting March Jeremy Roach three months early. And, you know, I know the Quinn Cook comparisons are there. I just – I kind of think it's it's Jeremy Roach and what he's done in the postseason the last two years. Like this, the yeah. that's the type of hyper efficient play that we saw when they went to the Final Four, and that's what we saw last year when they went through the ACC tournament, and then he played like that against Oral Roberts. Um, yep, I feel like he made a couple shots against Tennessee, but we, we don't have to go to there if you know guys don't want to. <laughs> no, 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 that's that's, that's in the past. Uh, but it's, it's almost it's, it's almost like you've been listening to the podcast because. <laughs> <laughs> these are things that these, these are things that we've been burning up over the last few weeks, yeah. and certainly um, we didn't love the Quinn Cook comparison because they are they are different players, and, and Jeremy Roach is being asked to do a lot more. And, and when we talk about that second half run, it started out with a Jeremy Roach huge three, and mm -hmm. you know that was a huge part of it. And then I'll go to D here because he's the one that said, you know, we got to stop calling him Lawrence Jeremy. And just call him every game, Jeremy, because that's what he's been uh, in, in the third. Can you imagine years. his March this year? Jesus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, <clears throat> we talked about this last year where we thought Mark Mitchell was the most consistent player. And he might turn into that. And it's very likely. But right now it's Jeremy. And when, like, when you need a clutch bucket or a clutch stop or just a, a big play to boost team morale, it's, it's Jeremy. Um, and he's done this since Paul to six, man. Like this was him at Paul yeah, to six. This, this really isn't new. This is just like a culmination of him taking the reins. If you watch him close, he's much more vocal here and lately than he even was at the beginning of the year. I mean, that this kid is really coming. This this young man is really coming into his own. And March Jeremy is going to be super scary because this kid don't <laughs> like to lose, and you know that AC. Yeah, yeah. No, seriously, man. Like this is. This this is the stuff that's been bred in him since he was was up here with with Coach Farello up here at at Paul Six Man. Like 
th- those guys are all winners. Like Darren Harris, get ready because like Darren Harris is is the same kind of breed, man. And it, that this is what we we talked about this four years ago when we got Jeremy. It was like you're getting a winner and be patient because you're not gonna get the typical freshman production out of him. You're not gonna get all that. Like be patient. But when the time comes for it, like when we win a title, it's gonna be because of Jeremy Roach. And and you can see the writing on the wall with this season. You really can. Seriously, like with all the talent we have with the young guys and you have this steady veteran leadership and and not just veteran leadership. It's not just him, you know, talk because he's not a talker to like the team on the floor. It's not that it's veteran leadership of actual play. Like when they need something to give him the ball, they defer to him. And you, you got you got top 10 NBA picks deferring to Jeremy Roach. You had that when he was a sophomore. Like I, I put a video up on Twitter at one point of. I want to say it was a game either against Arkansas or against Texas Tech. I think it was Texas Tech. You had a team with with Paolo Boncaro and AJ Griffin and Mark Williams and Wendell Moore, and the person who had the ball almost every possession down the floor was Jeremy Roach. Like, come on, man! Like, and and everybody was like, I don't want Jeremy on the team. Like, I hope y'all understand how wrong and, you were. And, and now I know you'll never playing. backtrack. Look, I know they'll never they'll never take it back. And it's okay, you don't have to, but because I already see it, like people are like, "Oh, bring him back for year five. and like, "No, like, no, don't bring him back your or whatever, man. If you don't want Jeremy Broach back for year five, you're stupid, you're dumb. But either way, he's, I mean, he's natural. Not, but either way, like, seriously, man, this dude's having an historic season, and he's in his and natural position. To enjoy it. What's that? I was gonna say he's in his natural position too. He doesn't have to be absolutely, yeah, ball. yeah, yeah. He's not not to having to facilitate. He's the playing off ball, but facilitating some. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, that's what I mean, he, he can. I, he can. He can. But like, right? And no, this is what he, like he had Doug McDaniel with him in Paul to six, and this is what yeah. they did. Like he, Doug would bring it down. Doug would set things up, and he would play off. Like that. That's him. He's comfortable in this role. Like being able to drive. He's an elite Perfect. athlete at six six one, quote unquote. Like he he's just he's so strong. He he gets to the bucket so quickly. His first step is ludicrous. He his he can split doubles like. You've never seen like it's it. He's seriously doing things, man, that that historic Duke players have done in the past. And I just I don't think we appreciate it. Like I, I said it before, he, he splits doubles like Jason Williams, like Jay Williams. Excuse me. I apologize. But seriously, I guess it's, it's not a, that's not hyperbole. I'm, I'm really, really being serious about that. Yeah. Yeah. To to the point about him playing his natural position. Now, I, I kind of. There's a dark argument to be made that the best thing that happened for Duke was his toe injury and him sitting last year for those three games around this time and Tyrese Proctor moving into the point guard role. And then this year you've got, you've kind of got the same thing played out except Tyrese goes down. And instead of Jeremy bumping over to point guard, you start Caleb Foster and Caleb Foster gets some valuable experience playing point guard. Yes. That was the beauty of it, right? John didn't John didn't move Jeremy to the point. Like he kept Jeremy doing what he was doing. That's right. Exactly. And that's where, you know, it's some there are a few criticisms that are warranted of John. Uh he is still a young coach. I, I think he he tells you in just about every press conference that he's got to do a better job on something. But mm-hmm. I think right there with, with the way he manages roles, especially in the backcourt, uh it, it's really masterful at this point. Yep. I mean, we kind of saw that. It was sorry. I was just saying it was fairly late in the season when Proctor took over as PG one, if you will. I mean, that was January though. That's not that late. That's around where we are right now. Yeah, it was around now. Nah, was it this early? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was. It was was January when that happened. Now the foot injury was like December into January, after the Iowa game. So whatever. It it doesn't matter. It's it. 
the point is still taken. Like Proctor was eventually going to be the point guard. Oh yeah. And here, here we are. So go ahead, Jet. I mean, I feel like the reason John's so good with the backcourt role management is because he went through that whole, what is yep. your role thing as a player himself, mm-hmm. you know, going from being a shooting guard, chucking up like, what was it? Eight threes a game and playing yep. really off the ball to being that like, he played senior point role. guard captain. He he did. He played every role there was. But by the end of it, you know, he was a point guard. He was a point guard on a championship team who also yeah. led the ACC in scoring. Assist to turnover ratio. Turnover, yeah. And you can see it. You can see that now with this yeah. team. Like last year, clearly he was disappointed with the squad with the amount of turnovers we had. You can see the focus this year with the with us being a top five team in terms of turning the ball over. Like. Top five in the nation, not ACC in the nation. Like that's that's, it's been a while since you've had a Duke team do that. Like that's impressive. I was thinking that too. It's been a long time. It's probably been since his team, honestly. Like ever since then, like with all the one and done squads we've had, like turnovers are part of that. Yeah, yeah. Twenty fifteen. I know Tyus had a highest turnover, but then Justice turned the ball over like it was, was his job. I was like say, yeah, he's the all-time leader. leader. Average twelve to thirteen in twenty fifteen. To yeah. be honest with you. So the 2016 team was actually fifth in the country in turnover. That's percentage. right. That's okay. right. With Grayson running the point. That's right. That was it. Yeah. Everything that I remember about Thornton that and Grayson. Was, yeah. yeah. Grayson and Grayson, Thornton, man. Yeah. Grayson, uh, Kennard or Ingram Isos was that in that yeah. team's entire right. offense. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and you had the, uh, the Kennard would come out there and put up 30 and then zero and then 20 yep. and then zero. And then the Gabe Davis um, of uh, basketball. But uh, I did. I did want. I did want to. I wanted to pivot uh, quickly to talk about uh, Tyrese Proctor because you know he played 27 minutes. Uh, I think everybody agrees, or should at this point, that he will start against Notre Dame. I thought that uh, he played extremely well uh, again, in the, especially in the second half, and I think that's going to propel him. I think that that is what's going to Jack. I want to bring you on this because um, we talked about every other guard so far and how great they were, but I thought that was Tyrese Proctor's arguably best half of the season. It was. I mean, he facilitated that whole half, really. Um, I I think even, I mean, obviously the whole team played out of their mind in the second half, but you could see they were struggling a little bit when he was out of the game in both halves. Um, but yeah, seeing, seeing him come in, he hit those threes, which was very... It made me smile seeing him hit from outside. It's been been a while since we've seen him hit like that. But you know, he's he's talented, he's necessary for this team, and it's it's really good to see he's he's playing close to a hundred percent in an ACC game. It's very important for this time of year. Yeah, I, I think that uh we've talked about this a million times, Connor, but uh for Duke to, to reach where they want to go, Tyrese Proctor has to be that guy. And I think that this was a perfect uh, situation for him and for Caleb Foster, where Caleb knows that eventually Tyrese is going to get that starting job back. And I think it's tough when you're knowing that you're kind of going to get pulled at some point from being a starting point guard and going back to your normal role as a sixth man. So that kind of probably played a little bit of a factor for him. Um, It wasn't the typical Caleb Foster game that we've been seeing recently. Um, So to kind of talk about what you've seen from – from both of those guys and, and how it will probably help both to have Tyrese kind of have that second half that he did. Now both guys can, you know, seamlessly go back to the roles that they're supposed to play. 
Yeah, um, I I wasn't at the Queens game, but reading about it, it seemed like that was just get Tyrese back in there to get minutes, get game action under his belt um, from a basically a four game absence. I mean, he played a minute and a half in that game against Georgia Tech. Um, second half, Tyrese looked like the Tyrese that when he was going well last year, that's who they had. All right, that was a guy that. Had some swag. Uh, Tyrese has a little bit of pose to his game. Yeah, he does. He uh, he gets beat back down the court, probably a little bit too much for John's liking. But if, if he's making threes, then I think you live with it a little bit. Um, but yeah, that that looked a lot more like him. Uh, Tyrese talks a lot of shit. Like that's one yes, thing. Yes. Yes. So I I love the courtside seat because you really do get a lot of uh, you get a lot of back talk between players. Uh, you can he and kind of pick up. We're going at it, bro. Yeah, yeah. I uh, wanted to ask you about that. They're they're familiar with each other at this point. Yeah. Um, Tyrese and Jeremy both. I mean, they're they're talking throughout the entire game. Um, those are kind of Duke's two guys to to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's entertaining sometimes, <laughs> and uh, that's that's who they need Tyrese to be. Uh, it's yeah. kind of that simple, and. Um, you know, the Caleb, Caleb Foster is a freshman looking for consistency. In some games, he might be Duke's best scorer. Uh, we saw that against Michigan State. Uh, we know that his shot is there. And it's it's a matter of he understands the role. Um, John mm-hmm. is, again, selling the we have six starters line. I, I've heard that from covering uh, Kay's last season with was it Jeremy coming yep. off the bench at that point? Uh, at one point, Jeremy off the bench. Yep. Yep. Um, last year, I, I feel like we heard six starters again. Um, I'm forgetting the rotations at this point, but yeah, I think it's that was always- when Derek was coming off the bench, right after injury. Yeah, yeah. yeah it had I think that was when Derek was coming off the bench. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, it's just it, it's always gonna. I guess it's always gonna be what Duke says. We have six starters. Six probably. starters, eight is enough. All that stuff. All, all the yeah. catchphrases. All the some catchphrases. years, some years it might be seven starters. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, they've they've got Caleb Foster bought in, and I mean he's he's still gonna play starters mm-hmm. minutes, um, yeah. especially if they're gonna go with a four guard lineup like the the four round flip. Um, John seems like he's willing to go to that as long as the guards. Mm-hmm group rebound which is is an important if there um but when they do it uh that lineup offensively you can just do so many mm-hmm. things because you have flip in the middle and he can do everything and you space him with four shooters or three shooters and jalen blakes um no disrespect to him but i don't think we have to call him a shooter uh Friend of the podcast yeah okay podcast indeed no no but um, you're right though right like he, yeah. we're not we're not we're not mistaking him for a shooter like Jalen right. whatever Jalen Blakes falls into cool but defensively and some of the other things he gives on the floor like you take it if if you throw Jalen Blakes in there at the four he is going to still play his ass off and it, it reminds me of to a lesser degree it reminds me of what we used to do with Demarcus Nelson like just moving him all over the place chess piece because of the, yeah. the arms the wingspan and everything else and the activity level yeah, I think Jalen Blake's is six nine wingspan is is what I've seen yeah. from Duke on on a six one six two body. That's nuts. Yeah, yeah, it's and again, man, he just plays so hard. And sometimes he's not going in the right direction. Sometimes he's too aggressive and fouling and getting outside of his body. Sometimes he's trying to go behind the back uh, on a fast break, and it's like I'll take that doing? chaos. Give me that chaos. <laughs> Give me that chaos because that's not in the scouting report. 
<laughs> right. And and you live with it because of what he can give you defensively. Yep. Um, the, the one guy he brought up, though, I want to bring Jack in because this is his boy, uh, Colin Filipowski. Uh, obviously had the, the kind of the stupid fouls early uh, in that first half, caused him to sit down. In the second half, though, I thought he did a really good job of, you know, kind of letting it come to him. Somehow he ended up with 12.7 boards, but he also had those three assists. He He's willing to pass now. He's willing to, to dish, whereas maybe earlier in the season, especially against Georgia Tech, that was kind of like the knock where they weren't willing to give the ball to the freshman. Now they're just looking for him now, and that opens things up for him. I think he realizes how much it opens up for him. So kind of talk about uh, what you like from uh, from flip second half there. Well, I mean, you said it, TK. He somehow ended up with 12, 7, and 3, and that is, you know, he had a terrible first half. He didn't score in the first half at all, did he? No. Nope. No. No, I didn't think so. No points. He had like two or three rebounds. You know, he's he's going to get his rebounds. That's just kind of a given at this point, given that he is at a lot of points, the only player above 6'8", six, 6'9", six, on the court for Duke. He's going to get those rebounds. The passing is what I'm really impressed with because, like you said, TK, he is, you know, he's more willing to pass to the young guys now. Um, But, I mean, it, it's not just that. It's he's really, like, looking to give the ball up a lot more than he was early. Like he's, he's been one or two on the team and assists in a lot of games since mid-December. And that is really impressive for a big guy. I mean, I know he had three in the second half. Yeah. He's throwing the stat out there. He almost had a triple double a few, a few games ago. Like he's back your point up. You're right. Yes. He's, I think the game before that, uh, before that eight assist game, he had, he led the team with five or six assists. Like he's, he's been putting up numbers in that department, and it's, it's really impressive for a for a guy of his size. Yeah, and we weren't going to survive with him, with him having to have twenty eight and thirty points a game. We weren't going to survive doing that. Like <clears throat> no. it, it had to be this. It had to be him assisting and distributing the ball. But when we need big shots, or when we need a layup here or there, or when we need a certain thing, he's going to give it to us. Like if he gives us a pass, we, we get a pass from him. Need be if, if we need an interior bucket, we need it. We get it from him. If we, you can get a three from him, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's a big time shot maker. So like, this is, this is him. Like, and, and he's thriving in this role and this is what he's going to have to do in the league. And so he, he's getting to showcase a bunch of stuff. Here's what I, here's what I love about what happened to foster and flip and their bad games. Right. No pouting from Flip. No no turnovers. He had one turnover all game, where in that triple-double game, he almost had a quadruple-double. He had seven, yeah. Eight, yeah, seven or eight turnovers. Okay, John had to remind him. Yep. And, and as bad as Foster played, he still played 20-plus minutes, I think I just read. 21 yeah. minutes. Two rebounds, two assists, and two steals, no turnover. Like, Real quick to that point, like, before the season, we talked about this. I was saying, like, this is Foster. Get ready for this ride. Like he he was inconsistent in high school, not not across the board, just for scoring. There would be games where he'd score eleven points on like and Connor, you know this from following him. Like, you know, two two of twenty shooting or whatever. Like he'd he'd have games like that. And then he'd come back the next day or three three games in a row and have like forty points. That's but him. He's going I, to win I us some games with his scoring. That's that's going to happen. And this, we're gonna want it and need it. But it's, this it's is more just about him. it's more about the Duke team, in my opinion, AC. Like 
He yeah, but he also he doesn't have to do. Yeah, he's going to be streaky, but he also no, no, didn't no, but, shoot one for eight. You know, eighteen. He took but, five shots. Everybody back to my else point, ate. real quick. He also is going to continue to play defense. He's going oh, to yeah. continue to distribute. He's going to continue to be in the right spot. Like he does all those things, even though he's not scoring. He's such a poised kid. Pablo that's, says it all the time. He's such a poised using. kid. Yeah. And even if he's not scoring, he's still on. That's the beauty of it. He's still on if he's not scoring. A lot of guys, if they aren't scoring, they're out of the game. He's still Stone on. Stoneface. Yeah. You don't know if he's got 32 or zero. Like and McCain really is the same way. McCain's yeah. the same way. They're so, they're so poised for freshmen, man. They Absolutely. might not be the most talented freshman you've ever seen, but they are so poised. The funny part of it is, is personality-wise, they couldn't be more opposite. Right? They're both right? stone oh, face yeah. and, and they both called these poker faces in-game. But personality, like you go talk to Caleb Foster, and I, the kid means well. Like he's not putting up a, a wall or anything. He's just no. He's, he's from rural North Carolina. Like exactly. And his dad is a to... his dad is a sheriff deputy. Like yeah. he grew up in that rigid environment, man. He's not used to the, the bright lights and people wanting to ask him about. Well, what'd you see on this shot? What'd you what'd you do here? And Jared McCain. I mean, it. it I've struggled to come up with a word with it for the past four months. Like it's just this bubblicious California one love energy. <laughs> bubblicious like, is great. Bubblicious is great. Coin it right now. Just everything about here. that kid is, is just so uh, effervescent. It's just, you can't help but be around Jared McCain and like smile at how happy he gets to be answering some stupid ass question about <laughs> making four three pointers. Um, yeah, it, it's it's really something else to to go from one end of they're they're kind of on opposite ends of Duke's locker room and it's kind of it's it's interesting to go from one end to the other. Yeah, that's I'll say Jared. Sorry, TK. My thing with Jared, like you know, I I have not had the opportunity to be around him. Um, but he just, he seems like the definition of positive energy. Like the, the next time he says a negative thought will be the first time around mm -hmm. any of us, yeah. at least. Mm -hmm. And then the other part of that is that he's just the hardest worker. Like, you know, you get like the, the, the goofy stuff right. off the court, but he backs it up because he's the last guy in the gym. When he's not shooting well, he's back out on the court, putting up shots. You know, it's, it's just, it's insane. Like the, the, the economy of the, off the court versus who he is as a player is insane. Yeah, it was a it was a story I wanted to get to in the preseason and never did. Um, people have the wrong impression of him just because of social media because they think that he's oh, yeah. because he has so many followers on TikTok. They equate that to him spending all of his time on social media, and it just couldn't be further from the truth. And mm -hmm. I I took the video after Duke's opener of him shooting still in uniform like an hour and a half after Duke's game against of was it Dartmouth that they opened with very famous video yeah. by the way Connor well done <laughs> yeah, thank you um that's after every game like you could literally walk out of Duke's media room after Shire's press conference give it you know fifteen to twenty minutes and he and T J Power both are usually out there shooting like that is just. And I think some other players probably go to the practice gym just to kind of have the anonymity of it. But those two are almost always on the court at Cameron shooting. It's just you, know, you, you take it once to show it's happening. You don't need to take it after every single game. Um, it's just, yeah, he, he works so hard and so much. Um, and there were stories in the preseason about, uh, I think, 
I think John mentioned it, but I think I got into it a little bit with Jay Lucas, um, given he coaches the guards pretty hands on. It's like they had to they had to kick the freshman guards out of the gym sometimes. It's like you're not here just to play basketball. You are here like you have to go to class. You have to do other things. You have to be somewhat of a college student while you're here. You're not a professional basketball player yet. Like get get out of the practice gym. You cannot spend 18 hours a day just shooting like it's it, you have to have some kind of work life balance uh, as a college player. Well, it seems to be working for him, so whatever he's doing, keep it up. Um, that, that builds a lot of muscle memory, though, I will say. So, Do you, do you think he needs any more muscle memory in shot? Oh, I mean, sure, is, right. like, those those is, shots weren't even hitting the rim. Those shots yeah, weren't even hitting the rim. Yeah, he was, it was unbelievable. And it was every like, catch and shoot, off the dribble, coming across half court, like whatever it was. Um, he, he was excellent. But uh, I do want to switch gears. And um, kind of speaking of excellent – uh, Connor, we talked about this before we hit record. Um, one of the things we did not do in our Sunday podcast was breathe life into the, the now famous or infamous tweets from uh, Mark Mitchell's father. Um, they were one of the vague spots, and people were like, what is he doing? Duke's on a five-game winning streak. Um, we kind of feel like Mark is starting to kind of find his role. Well, you obviously had a chance to talk to him after the game, and he played phenomenal. He had 21 points. He was, as you pointed out earlier, the uh, the reason we were kind of in that game in the first half when other things weren't going well, we had foul trouble with Flip and Ryan, and um, he kind of held his own. And 18 points in the first half is, is unbelievable for any player, but a player in a, in a shooting slump, um, to, just doing everything that it takes to be a winner, you talk to him after the game, kind of break down what, what, how that went. Yeah, so the, the first thing I talked to him about um, kind of goes back to last year. At the beginning of the year, I asked him if he had played some five because last year, if you remember the, the opener, John had him playing some five. Uh, Derek was out, and um, I, I guess Ryan would have started that game and maybe had foul trouble. Anyway, I've, I've, I've talked to Mark uh, – throughout the last year and a half about playing some five. So that's how I kind of came into it. Um, somebody else asked a question or two. Um, and, and then just simply said, did, did you have any thoughts or comment on your dad's tweets over the weekend? And that's where the answer came. Uh, if, if I remember the quote exactly, it was like, nah, man, that, that didn't have anything to do with me. I'm good. I love Duke and I'm grateful. And, and that was kind of the end of it. Um, I, I thanked him. Um, I like to think that even if players don't know my name, don't, don't kind of know who I work for, they at least recognize the face as somebody who's been there for just about every home game of the last two years, uh, was down there in Orlando, was in Greensboro with them when they won the championship last year. Like, it's kind of – you feel like you're embedded a little bit when you get in the locker room as often as, as I've been. So – I don't know if somebody walking in there for the first time gets that type of answer. Uh, maybe they do. Maybe it's rehearsed. Uh, but I like to think there's some kind of rapport there. And um, that's that's just where he put it out there. Um, it had nothing to do with him, and, and he was good. And he looked good. Uh, he sounded good. Like, he was, he was upbeat. Um, and that's – unless there's another development in the story, I kind of uh, – that's – that's where I think things end with this. And just to end it too, in any other 
did anybody ask any of his teammates about it or was it just a mark? I wasn't around any other teammate. Like it, it's hard okay. to cover every base in there, but sure, sure. I, I didn't hear about anybody asking any other teammates. I didn't, nobody asked like Jeremy or uh, flip or Jared about it while I was over at them. Um, okay. Yeah. It was, it was just kind of, that was it. Good enough. Fair enough. I don't even know if it's anybody close. else asked Mark after I was gone. Um, I don't think it's basketball related, quite honestly. But fair enough. Like, well, you know, yeah, we'll that's how I feel. Yeah, that was. I, I hadn't had that thought, and then I saw somebody bring it up, and it was like, oh well, you know, maybe maybe there's something to that. But I mean, if, you, if you're asking that question and you're in the locker room, you know, I'm sure you've done this long enough to know body language and when you're getting fed an answer that's been rehearsed and scripted. Is that kind of the, the feeling you got, or was it, hey, this is a genuine answer, and like this kid looks good, you know, not just on the court, but in the right mindset and in the right, you know, frame? Yeah, I, did, I didn't think it was any kind of standard or canned answer. Like, I, I thought it was genuine, um, felt authentic. Um, I, I've, I've said things to Mark, uh, questions that he has straight up told me, like, no, that's not the case. Um like he's he's not one of the guys that will just agree with you if you ask any kind of question. Um, there are some guys like that. I don't. Um, not sure there's any on this year's Duke team. Um, but just the, like the quick example is uh, last year when we found out that Shire calls him easy because he's so easy to play with and he's easy going. Um, I I went in the locker room like the next day or the next game and asked him about that and he gave me some really good answers and we talked about it and I was like, okay, so if I get to know you well enough, can I call you easy? And you're just like, no, that, <laughs> no. So I was like, okay, that's, that's fair. Like I'm, yep, fair I'm not your fair buddy. Enough. I'm not your family. Like that's, right. I need to know that we, we need to set boundaries here. Right. We, we, we stay in our own lane and then and that's what it is. Um, cool. Well, we wanted to address it with you. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, Moving on a little bit, because I know we want to talk about Notre Dame, but again, you run uh, Devils Illustrated, part of the Yahoo Network, Sports Network. Um, so you cover a lot of recruiting. You know, you cover you some sources and things like that. Um, VJ Hcomb, we talked about him uh, in our last podcast because that's kind of the big name right now for a lot of Duke fans. He's the one that is kind of still out there. We thought that maybe after Countdown, he would have been the one to pop first. Uh, obviously, it didn't happen. Kind of your your uh, thoughts on on where that recruitment stands and where Duke stands with it. I get this point. Um, it's a little bit of a coin flip. I think Duke is right there. Um, he's got the final three of Duke, Kentucky, Baylor. I think it's down to a final two. Uh, I know Duke is one of the two. I don't know who the other one is. Um, Baylor. Bay, I was going to say, can we say it or? <laughs> It's Baylor. It's Baylor. We're hiding shit here, Connor. We don't have look. You have a job to do, so we're not going to ask you to do it. I'll put it out there. It's Baylor. <laughs> Baylor's number two, and yeah, two by it's it's not close. It's like yeah. Anyway, continue, Connor, please. So you guys like that because Kentucky is out. Uh, you don't have to worry about him seeing seeing him in Atlanta no, next year, right? <laughs> um, no, I mean the kid is very. I mean, you can speak to this, right? Like he's very measured with his decisions. He could have committed after CTC, but. He's a smart kid. Like he he understands the roster construction. He understands some other things. Like he's he's looking to see where he can 
you know, really succeed. Like right off the bat, like he doesn't want to stick around college very often. The thing that lands home to me is he's talked about wanting to go to a program that is committed to defense. And he wants like Mm -hmm. he knows that's his ticket in the NBA. He knows that somebody is going to use his length and his commitment on the defensive end to maximize his value as a pro. And I, I, I got to think what Duke has done defensively in a year and a half under John Shire and Jay Lucas as the defensive coordinator. That's going to speak. I was going to say keeping, I think keeping Jay is a priority this off season. I think he's, it's, especially if we win a title, people are going to come knocking for him. Yeah. People think, are going to come knocking Nina for needs to do her due diligence. Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, that guy is so bright uh, for he how is, young he is. He is. He is he's really and, bright. Kind of like John, though, right? Like he's not just going to take any old. Like he's not going to go to Marist, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he, he, like it's going to have to be a decent program for him to It'll go to. A, like he's yeah, not just going to go to some because because you, you get more out of being a Duke than you do anywhere else. Even being an assistant head coach, like an associate head coach, you saw with John. Like everybody's like he needs to go somewhere and get head coaching experience. No, he doesn't. He's at Duke. What what is right. going to what is going to Brown going to do for John John Shire that being under Coach K for another year is not going to do so. And I think the same thing for Jay, but I think it's priority one at least to keep him from one more year because especially I mean VJ he and Jay are like they're tight. Yeah, and and you got to remember like there's a middle school in Durham named after Jay's grandfather. He helps yeah. segregate the schools in Durham. I mean he it's he doesn't have the Duke degree, but he has so many other ties to Durham that it's Absolutely. like he is a member of the of the community there. Such oh, a home run hire. Like, yeah, yeah, it really was. I mean, that was John. You cover the recruiting side, right? Like having John on the road, having Jay on the road. Like, what kind of advantage does that put Duke at? Oh, I mean, you have you have two really heavy hitters in recruiting. I I I get hesitant to just label guys as recruiters, but John is a closer. Um, mm-hmm. He's shown it's part that. of the game, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, people, used to, people used to dog Coach K because he would get talent in, but it's like that's a part of the game. Like they're like, oh, Coach K doesn't deserve it because he got five star. Well, he got him. Like right. that's a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> that's a part of your job. You gotta go get him. Yeah, one of oh god, who was it? I think it was I think it was Jeff Capel said that like the most underrated thing about K was how good of a recruiter he was. If mm-hmm. he got in your he's just, like if he got in your living room, it was over. And yep. Everybody just talked, you know, five national championships and 1,200 wins or whatever it was. All of that is great. But the recruiting side of it, like he he was able to convince you to go to Duke. Right. He gets some credit for that. And stay there year after year when you're bringing in more and more talent by, beyond you. Like, right. And you got to compete with this kid coming in next year. Like, and to change your recruiting model after 30 years mm-hmm. and then still win a championship in the one and done yep. era and get to another Final Four in your last year, relying on that type of player, that's, you know, yeah. there's a reason that we talk about him the way that we do. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Have, uh, do you have any insight with Common Malawak? I don't. Uh, that's kind of – I. my focus is on VJ because that's the one name okay. out there in 24, and then I'll, I'll start paying attention to 25 other than the boozers at this point. Yeah, yeah. Any thoughts on the boozers? Obviously, they keep a lot of things close to the vest, and we're not putting you on the spot because I think it's too early for them. 
um, but kind of your overall perception of, I mean, if you talk to them, I'm assuming at some point, you know, they've been on campus a couple of times, um, you know, kind of your overall feeling on that recruitment. I don't think it's a, as much of a Duke lock as anybody wants to believe. Um, yep. I hope that's, I hope that's common knowledge. I think it is among Duke fans that really, really pay close attention, right. but I think the average Duke fan sees Boozer and thinks, oh, they're, they're locks. They're going to be playing at Duke in 25, 26. Like, it is, it is not the case. Um, it's, I, I would kind of hedge toward the Florida schools at this point. Yeah, they didn't um, grow up. They didn't grow up in Durham. They, Miami, no. especially. Miami. Like, uh, their dad yeah. loves Duke. I get it, but yeah, and and I'm, it's it's so far from being over that there's no point in saying like they're right. they're locks anywhere. Uh, but you know, it was it was about four months in the summer of saying Cooper Flag is going to reclass. Cooper Flag is going to commit to Duke. This is mm-hmm. going to happen. This is going to happen. I am nowhere close to being ready to say that about either either Boozer. Yeah. Do Do you see them being a uh, package duo? I mean, I think most people do, but they they've openly talked about. You know, we're not necessarily going to the same place. I still think that they do. Um, but how do you read it? They keep saying that, and it's it's so hard to believe because they play right. on the same high school team. They play on the same mm-hmm. uh, grassroots team, like. They play together so much that until they're actually at different places, I'm just going to believe yeah. that they're packaged. I, I mean, the same thing was said about Charles Boozer, right? Like Charles and Carlos, like Charles is going to follow Carlos and he didn't. And right. he, he just didn't. Duke offered him and they, he didn't want to go. Yeah. I mean, the cables split. Yep. Um, it, it's, it's just, yeah. Um, you know, f- there, there's, it's interesting, like right. It, it's uh, Flip has a twin. Who I, I, is he playing at Harvard this year? I know he didn't yeah, play much. He's not playing much, but he's playing there. Okay. I mean, um, Super Flag's got a twin, right? Super Flag's got Ace a twin. Flag is coming next year. I think Ace will come to Duke if we offer him. I think so too. Oh, he's I think so. Ace is also Ace, Ace is playing good. really, really good. Ace is good, bro. He's playing really good basketball. That's, see, I want I. I didn't get to make it to Peach Jam, but I did watch their game against the Boozer Twins. And, and uh, my takeaway was like, are we sure Ace is not a high major recruit? Did I He's not say the same thing? Ace and Nate Ament. Like we're we're hedging our bets with the Boozers. Like if, if we don't get if we don't get you know Cam, you have Nate Ament in, in pocket. Like he wants to go to Duke, and then you have Ace Flag, who I think will come to Duke if we offer. And yeah, in the portal, Garrett Johnson at GW. I know you know that story, Connor. I, I know the family very well. They they attended Duke. He is somebody I think that would go to Duke in the portal at, in in twenty five. If that's something you want to do some digging on. <laughs> Just, portal recruiting for Duke is interesting. I, yeah, I know they're going to keep swinging, but uh, this summer was was interesting to follow. Um, I guess I need to go look up the stats like Kansas State, but yeah, it was. Um, mm-hmm. It was interesting. Well, yes, Garrett, Garrett Johnson is a name to remember. Trust me. Trust me. Gotcha. There we go. Um, all right, let's wrap this bad boy up here. Uh, obviously, we got Notre Dame coming up on Saturday on the road. Look, Notre Dame's a team that, you know, new coach, um, 
talk about transfer portal. They had a they had a lot of movement there. Obviously, we just played against JJ Starling, who was at Syracuse um, and previously at Notre Dame. AC, look, I thought the the shocker was you know the beatdown of of UVA for for, mm-hmm. for Notre Dame, but um, you know, kind of talk about their roster. This is no, you know, you look at the roster before or the uh, schedule before the season starts, and you're like, oh, you're circling easy W's. Mm-hmm. I think going to Notre Dame now is going to be a lot tougher than people uh, anticipate. Yeah, no, I don't think Notre Dame is going to be a squad that finds their way into the tournament or anything from the ACC. I think Notre Dame is a team that is going to keep somebody out of the tournament is what's going to happen because they're going to show up on your resume as a bad loss, and that and that sucks. But So they're going to play spoiler a lot this year. Shrewsbury is doing – like this is testament to Michael Shrewsbury. The roster is it's not good, quite honestly. It's just not good. They lost to Citadel, they lost to Western Carolina. He is doing the best with what he has, and I, I you know, hats off to him, man. Like he, he's a really good coach, and I think you start getting some guys that he wants into Notre Dame, and I think you're going to see a team that's going to be extremely difficult to beat because of you. Know, you saw what he did at Penn State; just he turned that program a, a very difficult basketball program around there, and he's going to do the same thing in Notre Dame. Um, they have they have his kid on the team, like that's that's how they got to fill the roster out. But I mean, they do have a really good player, Marcus Burton, uh, incredible freshman, stole stole freshman of the week from uh, Jared McCain, in my opinion. However, he is he's a really good player. They're relying on him a lot, and um, you know, I, I think as time goes on, he's going to be a four year player there as long as he stays in Notre Dame, which I think he will as long as Shrewsbury's there. Just a really good player, and everything runs through him. Um, they started to involve Zona a little bit. Um, they have uh, what Tay Davis, I think, is. Another one of their kind of bigger kind of jumping jack forwards. He rebounds really well. Doesn't shoot the three. Doesn't you know? Doesn't do anything particularly well at all. But definitely rebounds well. Is very active. They they they, they just play hard. So it's it's not going to be an easy win for us. We're going to win. It's just not going to be easy. And if I think we'll come out, I think we'll blow the doors off them. Quite honestly, but I think that because we're playing at home mainly. But I really do think that they're going to make us work early on and we're just going to wear them down with our talent and what we do. So I think early on, I think people will be like, why are we, you know, why are we struggling with this team in the first, you know, a couple of segments of the game and you're going to see that. And then I think we'll, we'll take it over, but um, I'll just give the score now and let everybody else talk. Uh, Like I said, I think we blow them out. I think it's somewhere around like 95 to 60, but I think early, I think just like this last game, I think you see it start out early where we are, kind of nose to nose with them for a few minutes so they they're they're a tough nose team they play smart yeah jack i want to bring you in um i have not been doing a great job of you know distributing here and getting you involved uh this game is in south bend and so jack i want to kind of get your uh kind of overall take on this game and uh how you see this playing out it's gonna be a good game uh i i think it's gonna be very similar to the game that was played the other day against syracuse um like AC said, it's going to start out pretty rough, I feel like, but Duke's going to get into a bit more of a rhythm. I think it's going to be something around like 85 to 62 by the end of it. I feel like that's reasonable, but it's going to be an ugly 85 to 62, if you know what I mean by it, that. It won't I mean, feel Shrewsbury, like 85 to 62. It, like, will not, it won't no. feel like that, right? No, it will not. Like, I mean, they Shrewsbury want 60 possessions a game. Coach. Like, they yeah. want 60 possessions a game, and that, that – like we can do that because we did it early in the season, and that's kind of like John. John doesn't want to. He does, he he wants to play fat. He wants to play efficient, not necessarily fast. So yes. that's going to be the key. And yeah, Notre I mean, Dame shoots gym, so we'll be able to shoot a little is. bit. 
Shrewsbury's a great coach, like you said, AC. I have a friend who played for him for a couple of years at Penn State. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what he does with the program. But, you know, beating the breaks off Virginia and uh, losing to some really bad programs. Notre I mean, Dame beat NC State just, the other day. NC State's a good squad. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Notre Dame is the definition of an enigma at this point, but I feel like I feel like Duke's going to have a comfortable win that's not going to feel like a comfortable win. I'll I'll say this, but any reason to watch his game is Bert is Marcus. I mean, like, just enjoy his game, man. It's so fun to watch him play basketball. <clears throat> and I don't I don't know how much Notre Dame basketball you guys have seen, but I've watched a couple games and he just steals the show, dude. He, he averages almost five assists a game, rebounds almost four a game, averages sixteen ish, seventeen ish a game, and he's under six foot tall. He's, he's just a fun basketball player to watch. <clears throat> There's also a big on the team that I can't pronounce his name. He's going to match up well with some of Duke's players, but Duke's going to blow him out. 92-63. All right. Uh, a couple of blows there. Um, Connor, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot to give a pr- uh, prediction or a score or anything like that. But uh, from, from your perspective, uh, what does Duke need to do to – execute these scores that both ACD and uh, Jack have put out there. God, I think they need to play three halves to get to some of these scores against Notre Dame. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, they they slow the game down. They want to grind you. Way down. Um, yeah, I think they've given up 54 points in back-to-back games. Just one of them was a 22-point blowout of Virginia. The other one was a 54-52 loss that definitely played a large factor in me going to bed earlier than I wanted to that night. <laughs> um, I I think uh, – I do think Duke I, – I agree with AC. I think this is a uncomfortable game that winds up with a comfortable score. Um, and really, getting ACC road wins – I put a tweet out earlier today. ACC road, da- road teams are 5-12 and 12 this year. We mm-hmm. go through this every year. It's – it sometimes feels even harder to win on the road in January in the ACC than it does later in the season. Mm-hmm. Later in the season, you'll have some teams that have kind of given up. Um, you'll have some teams that are fighting it, um, going through injuries and stuff like that. In January, it feels like everybody's got new hope because it's the new year. It's the start of ACC play. Like, you know, Notre Dame's losses in the non-conference don't mean shit for ACC standings. <laughs> so, there is a little bit of renewed hope, even though we all think that they're going to be bad and be 20 yeah. game lost team. Like they're still, and I think it's kind of to everybody else in the ACC's detriment that I don't remember what game it was, but I know Shrewsbury just crushed his team and his effort um, a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and some stuff. Was that, the, I think that was the Citadel game, wasn't it? Yeah. I think yeah, it was. Yeah, that sounds right. To, to the Citadel. I was going to. Yeah. Draw and, some ear from your coach, and he and he said some things uh, or along the lines of like, if if you don't play hard, you're gonna come sit next to me, and we'll find people who will yep. play hard, and you can get out. Like, I don't know if you went as far as to say you can get out of the program at the end of the year, but right. it was it was that kind of insinuation of like, if you're not gonna yep. play hard, you might as well find somewhere else to play. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa, and be uh, sure he's gonna bring his guys in. Like, he's gonna bring guys in that he wants. Right, I'm sure some guys from Penn State that he's coached already are probably going to follow him to Notre Dame that couldn't transfer last year. They're going to transfer this year. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's a good coach, yeah. man. He's he's somebody to keep people want to follow. Yeah, and that's that's where I 
that's where I land on thinking this is an uncomfortable game for Duke. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's kind of a road win that you want to notch under any means necessary. Uh, yeah. And I, I think just win. Yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. early ACC road games are every bit of just win. Uh, mm-hmm. Style points don't matter. Um, I just went yep. through this watching Wake's game at BC. I mean, and BC is a, a better team than Notre Dame by just about every measure. Um, you just want to get wins on the road. Yep. And only two teams that put up over 80, and that's Auburn and Western Michigan, who are both fanatic about how many shots they put up. And I, I don't know that John goes that route to just, you know, shoot the ball the way they do. But it's just, again, it's about efficiency. I think we're going to try to get the most shots efficient, um, the most efficient shots possible. So we'll see how it turns out. Like, Notre, again, I feel like Notre Dame's a good shooter's gem. And we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Like, yeah. And this is one of those other games where it's somebody else, like uh, I'll use Wake because I cover them. Like Wake Forest going to Notre Dame. There's no juice in the gym. That's that's a empty environment. It's a create your own juice type of game. Yeah. Duke doesn't play those types of games. And that's just yeah. who that, that's who you are. Um yeah. everybody is gonna get up to to play a Duke team. So that's where it's a little, you know, it's tougher to win those types of games for Duke. That's I I wish people would understand that. I think John understands it, and that's why they're going to play home and homes um, instead of waiting until January to have your first road game. But mm-hmm. but I digress, and and that's that's uh, a, a tough thing about being Duke. Yeah, for sure. And and this game against Notre Dame is the Saturday before the students come back. I assume I, I don't know uh, Notre Dame's you know, scholastic schedule, but I would have to imagine students will yeah, probably be back coming in for, for a Duke game on Saturday before, you know, classes start. So it, it's going to be a, a, a big-time atmosphere. And, yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit ugly for Duke fans who are coming out, you know, after a big-time win, huge second half against Syracuse, and then thinking we're just going to pick up right where we left off. It could be ugly. Yeah, we early. We, we found a way to win this game, 71-64. to 64. I do think it's going to be a little closer. Um, hopefully I'm wrong. Connor, uh, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, hey, maybe before the uh, Wake Forest game, since you cover both teams and put you on the hot yeah, seat. please. And, and, um, Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. And have you, uh, there, you guys with me. I'll be, I'll be joining. Excellent. Uh, Connor, let everybody know where they can find you. Obviously, your, your Twitter name, Duke fans, and want to uh, follow after this. Yeah, so that's at Connor O'Neill, uh, one N, two L's in those names, underscore D-I for Devils Illustrated and Deacons Illustrated. And uh, on the website is duke.rivals.com. Excellent. Appreciate you coming on. Let's go, Duke. Thanks so much. Let's Thanks, go, guys. Duke. Let's go, Duke. Thank you, Duke fans. Thank you, Five Point fam. Thank you for liking, subscribing, commenting. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, wherever you get your podcasts, all the above. Patreon, it's free. You know what we're doing. We got a coach's corner coming from Syracuse soon. We're with you, the Duke fam. Come with us. We're with you. Let's go, Duke. Go, Duke.